have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to hold it up right now and repeat after me what we believe about this book. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 1, John chapter 1, and then turn over to John chapter 8, John chapter 1, John chapter 8. I know that you've heard light bulb jokes before. But I want to give you a few more light bulb jokes that maybe you haven't heard before. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? But it only takes one because they already have their hands in the air. How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. They only use candles. How many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? It takes eight. One to call the electrician and seven to tell how much they like the old light bulb better. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? It takes ten. One to change the light bulb and nine to bind the spirits of darkness. How many Presbyterians does it take? It takes none. God's already predestined when the light bulb is going to come on. How many Lutherans does it take? None. Lutherans don't believe in change. How many Baptists does it take? Well, it takes nine. Five to serve on the committee to decide which light bulb you're going to use. Three to make the casseroles for the workday to change the light bulb. And then one to change the light bulb. And then one more. How many TV evangelists does it take to change the light bulb? It only takes one. But for the message of the light to continue, you need to send in your donation today. I don't know about you, but all I want is for the light bulb to come on when I turn on the switch. Because the darkness can be both frightening and depressing. Our fears are elevated in the darkness. Every shadow, every sound can bring all kinds of thoughts into our minds. As a kid, I can remember waking up in the dark, not being able to see a thing as my eyes were trying to adjust to the dark. And my mind would, would race to all the terrible things that could be out there, a crazy person trying to kill me, a monster, a ghost, a goblin, a demon, all waiting to get me. But then I would turn on the light and all my fears would disappear. That still happens at times, by the way. I can be in the dark sleeping and I can be having a crazy dream and I wake up and, and as I wake up my eyes see these shadows and my ears hear these creaks and I wonder what's out there about to get me and I turn on the light and everything is okay. Have you ever experienced total darkness? Now I'm not talking about the darkness that you experience when you close your eyes because when you close your eyes light can still come in. I'm talking total darkness where you can't see a thing. Years ago, Sherry and I were visiting a cavern out west, and, and at the very bottom of this cavern, when you turned out the lights, it was complete darkness, total darkness. And we got to the bottom of that cavern, they turned out the lights, and 
And I tell you, it was complete dark. We were down there for, for a while, and your light, your, your eyes never adjusted. You could never see a thing. You could almost feel the darkness. You could almost taste the darkness. I knew that if they didn't turn those lights on, I would be stuck in the bottom of that cavern forever because there was no way I was going to find my way out. One of my dearest friends in all the world, I've known him for over 30 years, grew up in Alaska. And in Alaska, they don't just have hours of darkness. They have days and weeks and even months of darkness. In Bartow, Alaska, they have over two months of darkness. Two months. There is even a form of depression, seasonal affective disorder, that is the result of the absence of light. The absence of light can be very depressing. It can be very frightening. This morning, we're going to look at the second picture that reveals to us Jesus' nature. Last week, as John opened up his gospel, John began by telling us that Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. It's Jesus that communicates to us what God is like. But today, we're going to see that Jesus is is the light of the world. He is the one, the only one, that can remove the darkness from our light. Throughout Scripture, God speaks of light. In the the very first verse of the Bible, as God is creating everything, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty and dark, kind of like our lives without Jesus but then it says the very first thing God did was say let there be light and then listen it says he separated the light from the darkness the very first verse in the very first book of the Bible God is separating the light from the darkness in the book of Exodus it says that the sight of the glory of God was like a devouring fire and when Moses was in God's presence, his face radiated, it was bright, almost like he had this holy sunburn from being in the presence of God. David the psalmist said, the Lord is my light, he is my salvation, whom shall I fear? John in his first letter said, God is light. In Revelation 21, when When John is telling us about the new heaven and the new earth, he says this, And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. And then in chapter 22, he goes on to say, There will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them. But then there's a passage in the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And it says this, one day, there's coming a day when people who are walking in darkness will see a great light. That passage in Isaiah was a prophecy about the time when Jesus would come. And that brings us to John chapter 1. I want you to listen to what John says beginning in verse 4. It says, the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and 
The darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, the notice I want you to notice the statements that John makes about Jesus. He tells us that Jesus' life brought light to everyone. He tells us that he is the true light who gives life to everyone. He tells us that no one has to walk in the darkness anymore. He tells us that the darkness can never extinguish the light. And believe me, the darkness has tried. The darkness tried to extinguish the light when Jesus was born and Herod killed all of those babies in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. The darkness tried to extinguish the light in, in the wilderness when Jesus was tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. The darkness tried to extinguish the light when when the crowd tried to push Jesus over a cliff and kill him. And the darkness tried to extinguish the light when Jesus was crucified. But understand, nothing the darkness has ever done, nothing the darkness will ever do, will ever be able to extinguish the light. And then John tells us that our job is to tell everybody about the light, to be witnesses to the light. Understand, it's not our job, it's not my job, it's not your job to save anyone. We can't do that. Only God can save. But it's our job to tell the people of the world that there's hope, that there's help, that there's a cure to the problems of life. There is a cure to the enemy we call death, and his name is Jesus. You see, we are the conduits God uses to point to the light. But then in John chapter 8, Jesus personally makes a statement. He claims to be the light. Now remember, John said in 1 John that God is light. But yet in John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus is claiming to be the light. Now let me give you a little background. In John chapter 7, they were finishing up the Feast of Tabernacles. This, this feast was a festive time for the people of Israel. It was a time of celebration. They, they were celebrating the fact that, that God provided for them. God protected them. God guided them as they were wandering through the wilderness. And, and at this Feast of Tabernacles, there were two observances that the people did every single year. The first one was they would draw water from the pool of Siloam and, and they would pour the water on the altar of God. And this reminded the people of the provision of water in the wilderness. Well, in John chapter 7, on the last night of this feast, after the water had been poured on the altar, that's when Jesus said, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. But the other thing that the Jews would do every year is they would light these gigantic lampstands. Some people said there were two, some people said there were four, but they were huge. 
and they would light up the entire temple courts. And many people say that, that those lights were so large that they would light up much of the city of Jerusalem. At the evening sacrifice, the priests would come out and they would light the lampstands that were located in the court of the women. And this reminded them of the Shekinah glory of God. And it reminded them that God guided them and led them by a pillar of fire throughout the wilderness. Well, it's the next morning now in John chapter 8. After the great feast and, and they have celebrated all of this and Jesus is back in the temple, he's teaching the crowd. We find out a little bit later in, in the court of women where the temple treasury is. And it's at this time that the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're dragging this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And they said to Jesus, the law commands us to stone her. What do you say we should do? Well, we're going to go through this entire story a little bit later as we look at the encounters that Jesus had. But let me just go to the very end of the story. All of the Pharisees has left and Jesus is there with the woman. And he looks at the woman and he says, where are those who condemned you? She said, they're gone, Lord. And Jesus said this, he said, neither do I condemn you. But then he said something else. He said, go and sin no more. That's in John chapter 8, verse 11. And it was right after that that Jesus made this claim. I want you to listen to what he said. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And one chapter over in chapter 9, John is talking to his disciples about this man who had been born blind from birth. He's about to heal that man. But in verse 5, Jesus says it again. He says, while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world twice in a matter of days Jesus claims to be the light of the world notice what it says in chapter 8 verse 12 Jesus spoke to the people once more the very first thing that Jesus said after the Pharisees brought this woman caught in the very act of adultery was to say I am the light of the world if you follow me you won't have to walk in the darkness. Some translations say you will not walk in darkness. Other translations say you will never walk in darkness again. Why? Because you will have the light that leads to light. Now every single word in that proclamation Jesus made is important. Jesus was saying, I am the exclusive light he said I am the light of the world that word I in this verse is in the emphatic Jesus was saying I and I alone I and no other now listen America has always been a melting pot of various beliefs but America is becoming more and more pluralistic what that simply means is that we believe that two truths can coexist simultaneously. That's what pluralism is. 
pluralism says that you can have two different truths that can coexist simultaneously. What's true for you may not necessarily be true for me. What's true for me may not necessarily be true for you. And when it comes to salvation, when it comes to religion, a study done by Pew Research discovers that that's true when it comes to religion. Pew Research found that 7 in 10 Americans believe that many religions can lead to God. 7 in 10. 70% of Americans say many religions lead to God. Now, to be honest with you, that isn't that shocking to me. But what's shocking is a follow-up study that Pew Research did. Pew Research found that 52% of those belonging to churches and denominations that teach that Jesus is the only way to salvation reject that teaching. In other words, 52% of the people who attend evangelical churches that teach Jesus is the only way to salvation sit in the seat and say, I don't believe that. I believe there are many ways to God. That's pluralism. But into our pluralistic beliefs, Jesus says, I am the light. I'm not one of many lights. I am the only light. For a world walking in darkness, there is only one who is light and can deliver us, and that is Jesus. The Bible says there is no other name given to man through which we can be saved. Jesus is the only name that can, sa- can, that can save. Can I get an amen? amen? There aren't many ways. There aren't several ways. There aren't a couple of ways. There's only one way. Jesus is the exclusive light. But this verse also teaches that Jesus is an all-compassing light. You see, though Jesus is an exclusive light, he is not exclusive. The light came into the world not just for a select few, not just for a chosen few, not for a certain group, but the light came into the world for everyone, the world. Jesus is the light of the world, the entire world. He is not just the Jesus for the Americans. He is the Jesus for the Europeans. He is the Jesus for the Asians. He is the Jesus for the Africans. He is the Jesus for the Caribbeans. He is Jesus for the Central Americans, the Latin Americans, and everyone else. Jesus is the light of the world. Remember what John said in John chapter 1, verse 9, the one who is the true light gives light to everyone, no matter where you're from. No matter what you've done, Jesus came to bring light to your life. But there's a third thing we see here, and that is Jesus is the exposing light. Whenever light comes, we're able to see. The light clears things up. The light exposes things. The light reveals things. The light reveals who God is. We are told in Jesus, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. I know we talked about this last week as we talked about the word Jesus is God in the flesh. But you need to understand that this is such an essential belief for those of us who follow Jesus that John tells us this on page after page after page of his gospel. Understand, 
I want you to look at me. You cannot be a Christian and not believe that Jesus is not God. Jesus is God. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But Jesus not only exposes to us who God is, Jesus exposes to us who we are. We are sinners. That's what he did to the Pharisees, this, these self-righteous religious people. Do you remember what happened when the Pharisees brought the woman to Jesus? It says Jesus didn't say a thing. He knelt down and he started scribbling in the sand. We don't know what he scribbled. No one does, but there's been a lot of speculation. And a lot of people speculate, and I'm one of them, that Jesus was scribbling in the sand sins. And he was getting down and he would write a sin down and then he would look at one of the Pharisees. He might have pointed. And then he'd write another sin down. And he'd look at another Pharisee. He'd point. And he did that until the Bible says the oldest to the youngest all dropped their stones. Why? Because Jesus exposed their sins. He exposed the sin of the woman caught in the very act of adultery. He didn't need to say a thing. She knew she was a sinner. That's why Jesus said, I don't condemn you. He's the only one who had the authority to condemn her. And yet he didn't condemn her. He just said, go and sin no more. Live your life in the freedom that I can give. But the truth is, the reality is, we're all sinners, aren't we? I mean, that's what the Bible teaches. It says, for all have sinned. All have fallen short of the standard, the glory of God. We're told there's no one righteous, not even one of us. We're told the very best that we have to offer God is, is like a filthy cloth. We're sinners. We're condemned because of our sin. And I'm here to tell you, listen, when you come into the presence of Almighty God, when you meet Jesus face to face, you will not only encounter his love, you will encounter his holiness. And you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. If you don't know that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, you've never really met Jesus. Because I believe that's the very first thing that happens. We're convicted of our sin, our need for righteousness, and, and that there is a judgment to come. So he's the exposing light. He shows all the dirt in our life, and we can't cover it up. We can't hide it. It's, it's exposed. And finally, Jesus is the empowering light. He told the woman, go and sin no more. And then he told the crowd, when you follow the light, you won't have to. You never will walk in darkness again. That's what we see in John chapter 8, verse 12. But that's not all that the Bible teaches us about Jesus the light. There are several other truths I want you to hear this morning before we get to a challenge that I want to share with you. The first thing you need to know about Jesus as the light of the world is that the light is devoid of darkness. That means the light has no darkness in him whatsoever. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 it says this is the message we have heard from Jesus and we now declare to you God is light there is no darkness in him at all don't miss that phrase there is no darkness in him Jesus is like us in that he was born into a human body 
But Jesus is different from us in that when he was born, he was without sin. And he lived a life without sin. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Jesus walked through life just like each and every one of us. He faced the trials and the temptations that each and every one of us face. And yet, he never sinned. He never had a thought enter his mind that was unclean. He never uttered a word that was vile or ungodly or unholy. He never committed an act that could possibly be called sin. You see, that's why Jesus was able to deliver us from our sin, because he was without sin. If Jesus had sin, his death would have only paid for his sin. The wages of sin is death. Each and every person who sins must die. Jesus never sinned. Jesus didn't have to die. Jesus chose to die. He chose to die in our place. And the way that he could do that is he was without sin. He was the perfect sacrifice. There was no darkness in him. Second thing, the light destroys the darkness. I love 2 Samuel 22 verse 29. It simply says this, God drives out the darkness. I want to remind you what John said in chapter 1 verse 5. He said the light shines in the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness can never put out the light. But understand, the light is going to destroy the darkness. There is coming a what day when God will do away with darkness completely and totally. You and I live in a dark world. We don't have to be guided by darkness. We don't have to be controlled by darkness. We don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to have anything to do with the darkness, but we live in a dark world. This world is filled with the darkness of sin. But praise God, there is coming a day when not only will there be no more sickness and suffering and sorrow or pain, there will be no more sin. The darkness of sin will be gone. The third thing, the light delivers us from darkness. John chapter 12 verse 46 it says I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. John chapter 8 verse 12 the latter part he said if you follow me you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Did you get that? You see Jesus said those who put their trust in me will never have to walk in darkness again. Jesus changes everything for those who place their trust in Jesus. Understand, when we fall into sin, 
we're falling into sin. Satan has no more control over us when we become a child of God. We do not have to give into the flesh when we become a child of God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Is sin a struggle, and will it be a struggle for each and every one of us as long as we live in a sinful world filled with temptation? Absolutely. But understand, you and I do not have to give in to the temptations of the darkness of this world. We can't say like Flip Wilson, the comedian back in the 60s, the devil made me do it. Because if you're a Christian, the devil can't make you do anything. If you sin, understand it's because you willfully, deliberately choose to give in to your flesh. Because the light will give you the power to be delivered from the darkness. Understand, salvation is not first and foremost a ticket to heaven. I'm glad my ticket is punched. But salvation is not first and foremost a ticket to heaven. It's deliverance from sin. It's a penalty of sin and the power of sin. Understand, for a person to be saved, they're not saying, I want to go to heaven. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, if anybody really knows the truth about heaven and about hell, who's going to choose hell? Nobody. Everybody wants heaven. But we don't go to heaven because we say we want to go to heaven. We go to heaven because our desire is to be delivered from the sin that holds us captive. We want to be delivered from the power of darkness in our life. That's why Jesus said in John 16, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict us of our sin, our need for righteousness. We don't have any on our own. And that there's a judgment to come. Understand, for a person to be saved, they're saying to God, God, I don't want to be controlled by my sinful nature anymore. I want to surrender my life to your will and your control. And then finally, the light directs us as we walk through the darkness. And the light directs us as he lives inside of us, the indwelling Christ. But the light, Jesus, has also given us something else that will guide us as we walk through life. And that's his word. One of the very first verses I learned as a child was Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet. It's a light for my path. In Psalms 119, 130, it says, Your word is a doorway that lets in light. It helps gullible people understand. And we're gullible people, aren't we? I mean, aren't we prone to be deceived by the enemy? I mean, the Bible says that there's pleasure in sin. The enemy makes sin so tempting, so appealing, and, and we we're so gullible that we just fall to it. We, we believe Satan's lies. So how can we overcome these lies? The only way is through the word of God. Listen to me. The only way that you're going to walk in victory in this world is to systematically get into the word. Reading devotional books are good. That's great, but that's not enough. When you read a devotional book, you're reading what somebody else says about the Word. You don't need to read what somebody else says about the Word first. You need to read the Word 
first. It doesn't matter how much it is. You can start with a few verses every day. You can start with a chapter every day. You can make it your plan to, to read through the Bible in a year. Sherry, my wife, last year for the very first time, read through the entire Bible in the year. And she's made a commitment that till the day Jesus calls her home, she's going to be doing that with me from here on out. Why? Because it's life-changing. When you systematically begin to read through the Word, it changes things in your life. God's Word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. I want to leave you with a challenge. And you see, our challenge is that as Christians, we are called to reflect the light. I want you to listen again to what Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 5. This is in that story of Jesus healing a blind man, but, but in this verse, it's almost as if he is preparing his disciples. He says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Did you get that? He said, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. But Jesus died. He rose from the grave. But 40 days later, what did he do? He ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is not in this world anymore. But Jesus didn't leave this world without light. Jesus called us who are his followers, who are his children, to now be the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus is preaching that sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Did you hear that? When you become a follower of Jesus, you are a light that cannot be hidden. You can't hide your light. The light of Jesus is going to shine through you. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light of the Lord. So live as people of the light. One translation says it this way, Jesus has made a night and day difference in your life. And he does. Jesus changes everything. When the light is discovered by you, it changes everything. Hank Williams is a country music legend. Not Hank Williams Jr., but Hank Williams Sr. And in 1948, he wrote a song, I Saw the Light. And Hank Williams had a kind of tough, bad life. But evidently, he had an experience with Jesus that changed his life. And the two, first two verses of that song go like this. I wandered so aimless. Life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness. No more night. Now I'm so happy. No sorrow in sight. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Just like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears I claimed for my own. Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight, Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Let me ask you a question. Have you received the light? Is Jesus living in you? Is his light shining through you? Have you received the light? Second, 
are you reflecting the light? You see, each of us have two questions we need to answer today. Have we received the light? That's the most important thing that you can do if you have never personally received Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You don't need to leave here without doing that. Because Jesus is the one that gives meaning to life. And you're never going to find what you're looking for out there. You're going to find what you're looking for through Jesus. But for those of us who know Jesus, we're called to reflect his light in the world. So how are you doing? Are you living in a way that reflects the holiness and the purity and the righteousness of the light of the world? Like John the Baptist, are you telling people your testimony, your story about how the light of the world has changed your life. What we need to do in life is simple. We receive the light, and then we reflect the light. Do those two things, and life will be good. So I want you to bow your head with me. Now I want you to close your eyes. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, I want to first ask you, have you received the light? Has Jesus changed your life? If he hasn't, then I beg you, I plead with you, don't leave this room today without humbling yourself before Almighty God and receiving Jesus as your Savior. Let the light of his life change your life because that's what you were created for. And if you're here and that's what you need to do today, I want you to pray this prayer to him right now. Dear God, I humbly come to you today admitting I'm a sinner. I've been living life my way. I'm sorry. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of wandering in darkness, living in defeat. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven. Today, I'm trusting you to save me. Today, I'm giving my life to you. I'm surrendering it all. Fill me with your spirit. Make me new. With your head still bowed, your eyes still closed. If you're here and you're a Christian, you're a child of God, and you know that's beyond a shadow of a doubt, I want to simply ask you, who are you being light to? Consistently, regularly, daily, weekly. And if you don't have some people on your mind and on your heart, then I want you to pray today. God will put on your heart and mind some people that you need to be light in front of and you need to share the light of Jesus with because he's the only hope in the world. I want to pray and then we're going to have our altar time. And if you prayed and gave your life to Jesus, we want to know. If you need to pray for for people that you want to share the light with, we want to encourage you to come to this altar and pray. Father God, this is your time. And I want you to have your way in each and every one of our lives. Lord, I, I pray that no one, from the youngest to the oldest that's in this room, 
believe today without responding to, to how your Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Father, I pray that the altar time today will be a time of Lord, celebration of being set free. It'll be a time of, Lord, agony as we pray for salvation for people we care about. It'll be a time of deliverance for those who, Lord, are praying for God to, to work in their lives. It'll be a time of restoration for those who, Lord, need relationships restored. I pray, Father, that you'll have your way in each of our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.